0: Take your Bible and turn to Luke 18. We begin reading in a moment in verse number one and read through verse number eight. Thank you team, great job uh, this morning. Luke 18, speaking about prayer. And just a few minutes, we're gonna have an extended prayer time at the end of this service. I'm going to have some of our leaders down here, servant leaders at the front. If you need to join this church, you come right here to me or to one of them. If you come in to be baptized like uh, these were, you come. You come with a burden today. You need to come to the altar. You come. You need somebody to pray with you. You feel free for one of these to pray with you. And then again, tonight at 6, I'll be out in the Corners building with some of these younger pastors, preachers, and uh, you come pray over them if you would join me tonight at 6. Luke 18. Verse number one, Jesus speaks and says, now he, that is Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. And then here's the parable, saying in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city. She kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. (laughs) What a text. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, here's what a powerful question. When the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? The great sin of the church in this age, and I believe in most generations, is her laziness to go after God in prayer. Most people want a bottle. To be bottle fed rather than the meat of the word. They want a bottle rather than a battle in prayer. Jesus said in verse 1 If we do not learn to pray, we will faint. You either pray or lose heart. We must learn to prevail in prayer. Jesus is speaking here about that prevailing in prayer. Jeremiah spoke about prevailing in prayer. In his 33rd chapter of his book, in verse 3, he quotes God where the Lord says, come to me and I'll answer you and I'll tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Come and and let me answer, Jeremiah. Jeremiah said it. James, the half-brother of our Lord, in uh, the fourth chapter of his epistle, James, for the last phrase of that second verse, says, you do not have because you do not ask. And Jesus, six times in his great discourse of John 14, 15, and 16, Six times Jesus says these words, if you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you ask anything, he said it six times in John 14, 13, John 14, 14, John 15, 7, John 15, 16, John 16, 23, and in John 16, 24, and 25. If you'll ask anything in my name, I'll do it if you learn to prevail. And Jesus says if you don't prevail in prayer, you'll faint. You'll lose heart. And and then he tells this story. I I believe that when he told this story, the people of that region knew this woman. I can't prove that, but I I believe he's lifting a known story out of their culture. And, And he's saying there was this widow, and She had a need and there was a judge that did not fear God and did not respect man. Now thank God we have no judges like that in our culture. (laughs) But this judge is vile. He didn't care for man, he hates God. But there's a widow. I I believe she lived out on the outskirts of the city and her husband had died and somebody was trying to steal her house. That would often happen as you read in the book of Acts that ladies did not have the legal right to keep that after death and therefore Jesus And the scriptures tell us that he will look after the widow in a way like no one else. And I believe this lady is about to lose her home. I can't prove that, but the context of the Bible would say it might have been. And and she came to the judge and, and she kept coming saying, give me legal protection from these people, from my opponent. I believe they were the opponents trying to take what little she had. She came to the judge and said to his secretary, I need to see the judge. And she said, well, he's a busy man. And she said, well, I need to see him. And finally, the secretary said to the judge, this lady's out here. And he said, well, I just let her in. I'll take care of her. And he heard her story, and then he just dismissed her and said, I'm sorry, but I, I don't deal with it. I can't take. So the next day he came to work and she's back in there. And he called the lady, the secretary, and said, well, what is she doing? She so I know she came back. Said, well, tell her that, you know, it'd be way after lunch before I could even see her. Well, she brought her lunch. She's here to stay. He wouldn't see her and she came again the next day and the next so finally, Jesus says in this story, verse 5, yet because the widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Uh, that's an interesting Greek construct. It can be translated, wear me out, uh, I get weary. It can also, in, in one estimation of a Greek man I read said she could give me a black eye. Now, I don't think it means physically. I think it would give him a black eye in the community. If he didn't help this lady, he gets a black eye in the community. Jesus then said, hear what the unrighteous judge said, but now... Will God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, verse 7, and will he delay long? I tell you that he will bring justice for them quickly. When he comes, the Lord comes, will he find faith on the earth? This parable is about persistent, prevailing prayer, but it is also about a contract. The judge is wicked and vile and doesn't care. But on the other hand, God is loving and, and brings justice. There is the great contrast in this parable. It, it doesn't mean that if you just wear God out and if you just ask, 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 God's got to do it. You've got to ask in Jesus' name according to His will. There are other things I'm going to teach you about that in days to come. But He is here telling us that God answers in contrast to the way the unrighteous deal with us. And he says we are to prevail in our prayer, and I am concerned that we become prayerless quickly. What do we learn from this parable? Three things, and then I call you to the altar. First of all, I believe Jesus is teaching us here, never give up in prayer. Never give up. In Luke 11, if you go back a few pages and a few chapters, you hear Jesus teaching about prayer, and he says, Ask, seek, and do what? Knock. Ask, seek, and knock. There's one that asks, the one that receives, the one that seeks. We'll find the one that knocks. That's when it's open unto you. And then he follows that by saying, if a son asks his father for a fish, he won't give him a snake, will he? No. He said, well, if, if, if a son asks a father for an egg, he, he, he won't give him a scorpion. No, no. He said, well, if, if your earthly father, being sinful, knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more does the heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him and will give the Holy Ghost? To those that, as friend, never listen to me now, listen, never give up in prayer. Never, never give up in prayer. Secondly, I, I think this text teaches us to never doubt that God is listening, <laughs> He has ears to hear. God's always listening. As a matter of fact, when you read in the book of Revelation chapter 5 and then again in chapter 8, you read in chapter 5 in verse 8 where John the Revelator writes these words, and when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, the Lamb of God, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, and that incense is what? The prayers of all the saints. Friend, God is always listening. Matter of fact, not only is he listening, he's storing. Are you going to have any incense in the bowls when we get there? Or will just a thimble full be for you? See, God listens. He hears the prayer. Never doubt that God is there. I remember going to Dr. Fish's office as a seminary student one time. I I said, Dr. Roy, I said... I just can't get through. He said, oh, my son, there are days when it seems as if the heavens are brass and the Bible is stone. And then he looked at me and he pointed that old crooked evangelistic finger. And he said, never give up in prayer because God will at the proper time Break through the brass and the stone. Prevail, young man, in prayer. That's 40 years ago. (laughs) And I've had stone and brass since then, but never doubt God is listening. Keep crying out unto Him. Never give up. Never doubt he's listening. And number three, never think that God is not at work. Friend, he's at work all all the time. He's always at work. Psalm 121, Psalm 121 verse 4 says this to us, Behold, he who keeps Israel, we just prayed about Israel, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Friend, you'll go to sleep tonight, but God won't sleep. You'll take a nap this afternoon, but God won't even take a nap. Let me tell you, he is always at work. Even when you don't think he's at work, he is at work. I will never forget, I heard him tell it, Dr. Chris, well, one, uh, one of my preaching heroes from First Baptist Church in Dallas she used to tell the story uh, uh, when he was in Japan preaching a crusade. And, of course, he did not know Japanese, and so they had a, a translator, an interpreter. I don't know if you ever tried to preach through an interpreter. It's not the easiest thing you ever do. I, when I go to Romania, I preach through a translator, and I'll preach in chapel. And you have to start and say, now, turn in your Bible, know, Luke chapter 18, you just get to preach half the time. Because somebody else has got to give it to them in another language. Thank God in Romania, they like you to preach an hour and a half. So that's good. You've got plenty of time. But I don't know the language, so somebody else. Well, that's the way Dr. Criswell was. Liz and I were in Destin just a few days ago, and, and we met a young lady. She's waiting our table. She's from Moldova. The Moldovans speak Romanian, the same language to the north of Romania as the Romanians speak. She walked up, and Liz asked her, said, where are you from? She said, Moldova. I said, "Pache." She said "pache" and she's took off. I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" I said, "That's the only word I know. I, 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 I don't, I don't know anymore." But I did not know one more word. She came back. She said, "Would you like dessert?" I said, "Papanash." Do you have papanash? She said, "Oh." She said, "I so dream for papanash. If you ever go to Romania, if they come for dessert, just say the word papanash. They bring it to you. Oh, you, you, you." You'd kill you, mean brother at least, to get it, I guarantee. <laughs> well, I couldn't say the language, and Dr. Crystal couldn't, and, and he said he preached, and about the third day the translator was called away. And they gave him a second translator who was a professor of English in a local university, but he was an atheist. And he came to try. Can you imagine the gospel preacher through the atheist English instructor giving the gospel night after night, night after night? And after the third night, Dr. Chriswell said that the atheist professor came to him and said, Preacher, I have never believed in God, but after translating for you, I have come to believe God is real and I give my life to Christ this night. It's a translator. Friend, never doubt God is at work. Even when your translator goes and they bring somebody else in, God was just bringing the man there so he could hear the gospel and even preach it out of his atheism to turn his heart toward Calvary's cross. Never think that God is not at work. Now, we're going to pray this morning. I'm going to invite you to this altar to pray. And I want you to pray. I want you to come pray. or I want you to turn and, and fall on your knees and I want you to pray. Now there are at least three prayers. I've, I've thought and prayed over these. There are three prayers that need to be prayed in this service today. You need to pray. Some of you need to pray these prayers. Maybe more, but at least these three. Number one, there needs to be the prayer of submission. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will. Be done on my will. Lord, let me decrease so that you might. Some of you need to run to this altar today and say, Lord, I submit myself to you. Some of you need to come for salvation. You've never trusted Christ. You need to come in submission to the cross and say yes to Jesus. In a moment, some of our men are going to be standing here, others, and and we'll be glad to help you. Some of you have never been baptized like like these were baptized in in this service and in the early service. Like some are going to be baptized this afternoon uh, in a service that uh, some of our people uh, are being involved in uh, with some family members. And grateful to God for them being baptized elsewhere uh, today uh, at another church. You need to come in submission to baptism. Not your will, but God's will. And you need to come and, fall and say, Lord, I surrender all unto you. I, I come in submission. If you're running your own life, you need to surrender and say, God, I give it all to you. You need to pray the prayer of submission. Secondly, in this invitation, there needs to be prayed the prayer of Forgiveness. forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Some of you are, uh, you have been deeply hurt, deeply hurt. And you need to forgive those that have hurt you. I, I would not even claim to even think I could understand the depth of your hurt. Some of you have been hurt by the church. And you need to forgive the church. Some of you have been hurt by family. And you need to forgive your family. You, you need to release them. Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. Friend, when you hold that hurt, it's just poison to your soul. It does not hurt that other person. It only hurts you. And, and once you release that, I, I was just a preacher kid. I was 17 years old. I never heard my father curse, but one time in my life, And and that was when the landlord at our store, we later would build a store and own it our own self. But for the first years of that store, we rented a building from a gentleman who became vilely jealous of my daddy. And he got a letter one day that said your rent was going to X amount of dollars per day. I remember I could tell my father was upset and he Through the letter, he said, I can't, and he said a curse word. And when that man hurt my daddy, I hated that man. I took up my father's cause. And then I was 17, and God called me to preach. And every day in that little town, I drove by that man's house. And I remember the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I want you to go in there and I want you to tell that man that you're sorry for your attitude and that you forgive him. And I remember praying out loud, I said, in Jesus' name, I will not do that. (laughs) I hate him. For days I drove by. Every time I went by, I finally pulled that old 60 Chevy into that. When I got out, he saw me, and he turned and went away. I called his name, and he turned, and I went to him. And I stuck out my hand. I called him by name, and I said, Sir, I'm sorry for the way I felt about you. Would you forgive me? I cannot tell you the burden that left me that day. It was a prayer of submission and a prayer of forgiveness. I took action. Was was my heart clean? Was my motive pure? Man, I, I still have a hard time. But God spoke to my heart and I needed to say that. And I unloaded that. I can tell you this: from that day until that man died, every time I drove through that little town, I rolled the window down. If he was in the front yard, I waved at him. Ephesians says that when you forgive, it's as if you heap coals of fire upon their head. Man, I'd drive by and I'd just I'd pray in my heart, God scorch his soul. I'm not telling you that I understand the way you've been hurt. I, I just understand the way I've been hurt. And, and I know when I confess that, God lifts the I, I don't, I wouldn't. I don't even know. You said, preacher, you couldn't under- I, I can't. I, I don't understand. I said, hey, I'm just a gospel preacher, pastor. Or I mean, nobody gives me a hard time. I mean, I'm I, I don't understand how people do you. I mean, nobody bothers me. I've, I've not made one error through COVID. Everybody has agreed with everything I've done. Some of you right now are saying, well, you didn't hear from me. I said, I understand. Amen. I remember the day the man who sat right back there, and his chair's empty today, He walked down this aisle, and he grabbed me around the neck, and he said, Pastor, I'm sorry for what I've done. I said things I shouldn't have said. Please forgive me. I'm telling you the glory of God. I don't understand your hurt, but I do understand the master. And he says, cast your care over on me. Humble yourself, and I'm telling you, God will take that burden. There needs to be the prayer of submission. There needs to be the prayer of forgiveness prayed in this altar today. And then thirdly, There needs to be the prayer of repentance prayed in this altar. Some of you are just away from God doing things you shouldn't do, in actions you shouldn't take, in in places you shouldn't go. Your lifestyle is away from God. You know who you are. You've turned your back and you've gone in a different direction. And the Word of God says, and you need to come to this altar and simply kneel down and say, God, forgive me. And He will. Yes, it will. For those of you that are at home or watching online, television, radio, just find you a quiet place and kneel. If you send me a text, we'll reach back to you. If you just text me at that number 94,000, we'd be more than happy to reach back to you. We want to help you today. We reach out to you. But just fall on your knees and call out unto the Lord. Now we're going to pray. But I want everybody to take your Bible before we pray. I want you to take your Bible. Everybody in here, go to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. I want you to look at this. Psalm 95. I want you to see it. Everybody, find the Bible. So I don't have one. Yeah, there's one right there in front of you in the pew rack, a little black book. Psalm 95. Oh, it's a, it's a hymn. Psalm 95. Psalm 95. I want you to look right here. I want to ask you to do something for me. It's six minutes till noon. I'm going to ask you not to leave unless it's a dire emergency. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for it was He who made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Verse 6, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker to worship. Come and kneel and bow down and give Him your life. Submission. God, I forgive, and Lord, forgive me. And repentance. Lord, I turn from my sin. In a moment, I want you just to come to this altar. John's going to to begin to play softly. And then there's a few of our folks going to be standing. If you need somebody to pray with you or for you. Oh, I had such a sweet prayer time. We had a couple. They've been here for 25 years in this church. Today was their last Sunday. They're moving to Georgia to be with their family. I didn't even know it. They just came to tell me, said, Pastor, today's our last Sunday. It's breaking our heart. The hardest thing we've done is leave our small group. Today's our last day. For some of you, you you've gone from where, somewhere and you've moved here and, and it's hard, but you know this is where God wants you. You need to come. Don't come take their place. You can't take their place. Take your place. Come be what God wants you to be. We all have those transitions. Come in submission. Oh, it broke my heart. These are faithful people. Been with us for all these years. They're going to be with their children where they need to be others coming to put their membership right here in this place say I want to be a part coming in submission to God's call unloading a burden and forgiveness coming in repentance our gentlemen are coming right now they're going to join me right here across the front I'll be here glad to pray with you help you you may not even need us you can just come to this altar if need be but we're going to invite you to come. Or you might want to make an altar out of your seat. You can turn and pray right there. Now I noticed in the first service a lot of people did that. And some folks couldn't get out. Just step over them if you need to come, okay? It's, it's all right. Just, just to come right here. So while John's playing, the call of God's in this place. Some already here. You make your way to the altar come praying today today today